Welcome to the Private Practice Made Perfect podcast with me, Kathy Love. I'm a business coach who helps allied health professionals run powerful and profitable businesses in the disability sector. Join me for cutting-edge interviews with leaders in the allied health and business fields, along with plenty of practical content that you can use to make your business practice perfect. Hello, everybody, and our guest today is Samantha Garrett, who has the official title of technology trainer at Using Technology Better. But there is an unofficial title, I hear, Sam. Yes, yes, there is. So my unofficial title, or my subtitle, as I like to call it, is Efficiency, Productivity, and Organization Nerd, because they are the three areas that really light me up and areas I love to help people in. We are going to have a very good chat. We're going to get back to all of them in different ways. But first up, give us a bit of a, um, a view, a bit of a, uh, an understanding of what using technology better is and does as a company. Yeah, for sure. So we are a technology training company. So we were founded by our uh, founder, director, commander-in-chief, Mike Redding, uh, back in the early 2010s, I believe. So We've now grown um, and we are across Australia and New Zealand and we've got staff in both countries, plus we've got some team in the Philippines and we train people in using technology better, as the name aptly says, um, across both countries and also internationally as well. And we work with the education sector as well as um, business sector all the way from really small businesses up to your multinational enterprises. And we are a Google, Microsoft, and Apple partner company. So they're the three platforms we mainly train in, though we do delve into other areas as well. Yeah. Thinking back to that startup date, like the mind just boggles at what technology, hardware, software was even like back then. Um, Mike and the the gang must have just seen exponential change. Like that's amazing trajectory. Yeah, yeah, you're so right. Like, um, I mean, the platform I mainly work in, you know, there's a couple, but even then, you know, those platforms, even before using using technology, joining using technology, but, you know, I really Mm -hmm. started working with them back in around 2010. And just thinking back, Kathy, to what that was like then and going, oh, my goodness, like hearing what people complain about now. And I'm like, wow, if you could have seen it back then, like it's, yeah, we've really had such growth and um it's been really interesting for us to try and stay on top of all those changes in order to be able to help others, you know, embrace those. Because if I think back to the infrastructure we had in 2010, and we were reasonably sharp, like we had IT consultants in every quarter and they were on call. I was crawling around plugging in blue cables and taking (laughs) home backups. Every second night, someone took home one of two or three backups. Yeah, I mean, because the cloud was really only beginning, you know, that concept of cloud backup and cloud data and all that Mm. was really only sort of beginning, Mm. you know, in the late, you know, around that time. So, yeah, that's it. People were still like, oh, how big is your external hard drive and where is it located? Whereas now, (laughs) or how many USB sticks have you got? And whereas now, you know, that's really, really rare. Yeah. I couldn't wait to drop in words like ghost drive and mirror drive into casual barbecue conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I hear what I'm saying. I'm the nerd. I mean, those kind of words. 
<laughs> That's it. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. So um, let's just sort of um, have some conversation about the sort of problems that you solve in businesses. Um, so we've been working with you as consultants for the last few months and we are not done yet. My team is in your calendar for later this week, if in case you Indeed. haven't noticed, I know that they're in. Um, and so whilst we probably don't need to use me as an example in this instance, what when is it that you're typically called into businesses? When does the help sign kind of go up? Yeah, that's a great question. So I always think there's two two situations. One is that um, the business is moving from one platform to another. And that's so it's usually around a, a project to say, okay, we might have been using our own, you know, our own servers and our own this, and we want to move to a cloud solution, for example. So we, we're called in to help them through that transition stage in terms of the change management piece. The second piece is, and this I'd say probably more where you fall into it, Kathy, is organizations that go, we've got these tools. We're kind of there, but we know we're not really using them to their full potential. We know we can do more and we can't get there on our own and we need some guidance. So that's that second piece. And honestly, that can be anything from organizations that, you know, made the leap within the last six to 12 months to ones that have like, we've been using these tools for three, four, five years and we're still not getting what we need. And that's when we come in and help out. Mm. Yeah. Yep. And what sort of businesses do you help? Like you gave a quick overview. Do you have a kind of a favorite one? I've got some favorite clients. I don't know if I should mention them, but no, I mean, we help look literally. (laughs) It may not be us and that would just be the end of this chat. (laughs) And then we'd be gone. No, I mean, like quite honestly, we've got anything from clients like yourselves that are smaller teams, you know, so um, all the way up to, you know, we, we work with clients like Woolworths, News Corp, Snowy Hydro, just to name a few. So we're literally talking, you know, big multinationals. Um, plus um, we've got quite a lot of large international clients. So it's it's literally everyone across the spectrum, across industries as well. So it's not like we have a preferred industry or we attract people from a preferred industry. We just kind of seem to attract the people that need us at that time. So, yeah, it's really quite broad. Yeah. So if we kind of focus on sort of SMEs um, as such, where where are the main sticky sticking points with mm-hmm. underutilizing their software? Because you kind of might yeah. think you're getting enough out of it. And yeah, I think something we always like to say is that we don't know what we don't know, or you know, people don't know what they don't know. And I yep. think that is the main sticking point because quite often what happens is these tools are put in, you know, and even in the SME space, you know, when we talk more like the, the M space, often there might be an IT team, IT team, often in the S space, there's not, right? So the tools yeah. might get popped in by an external company. So they're put in, people just are kind of expected to start using them because um, there's kind of this, you know, this myth though, well, we all kind of use technology, so we should just be able to figure it out. So where they come unstuck is that, they get in and they can use them enough to kind of get by, but they're not getting the full value. And in doing that, they're often there's often this underlying frustration, you know, because the tools aren't working as they're meant to. And people, even if they don't realize it, things are bugging them every single day that can be yeah. an easy fix. Um, so that, you know, we like to think, you know, that is hindering people from doing their best work and the companies from being you know, productive mm. because you've got this happening in behind the scenes. I could probably add one extra piece 
um, with that and what we've heard from our clients uh, and particularly with Office 365, which is what we're kind of stepping towards, um, is that they do the setup and they do the migration and the setup themselves and they went to university and are remarkable clinicians they may not be quite as remarkable on the techie, geeky front and the time and energy it takes them to sort of set it up and I've nearly got it set up and I think I've got teams working. They almost fall out of love with it before it's even operational. (laughs) Understandable. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think it comes back to that thing of like we're all awesome at, at something, you know, and in your case, you know, yeah. the clinicians are awesome at their job, but not necessarily like they're moonlighting as IT people trying to get this happening. But if that's not your specialty, it causes you more pain than anything else. So you do, you're kind of like, yeah. oh, well, now it's there. My goodness, like that was frustrating. Um, and particularly at that point, the motivation to proactively go and like, you know, watch all the YouTube videos and do all the online learning to try and actually find how to use the thing is often quite low because you just want to get on with business. Mm. Yeah, I just got no words for watching YouTube about Office 365. You've you've silenced me, Sam. Well done. God, no, just no, just no. Not your plan of So how can – no, no. Um, It's Melbourne. It's lockdown. You know, I can understand the temptation, but no. So what's a good way for business owners to kind of improve their use of technology um, in their businesses? How can they kind of get off to a good start on it? So I think that the fact that you said get off to a good start, I think that's that's the best place mm. for me to, to leap off. So if they're in the fortunate position of getting started with a new tool, I can't emphasize enough planning, you know, and for example, particularly something like Teams or, you know, I've got clients at the moment that, you know, are looking at moving off, for example, on-premise network drive file storage to the cloud and that involves structures and file structures and all that kind of thing planning in that phase is so so important so it's not about just oh let's just take what we've got and try and shove it into a new environment and hope it works like if you want to get off to a good start the planning phase is absolutely key Um, beyond that it's really you know from our point of view as a training company it's really equipping your team and yourself with the knowledge and the skills, which leads to competence and confidence to use the tools in your unique setting. Um, And that's in also particularly in solving and working with your business problems and and your environment, because every organization is different. So if you've got them with those skills and not assuming they're just going to somehow learn them by osmosis. (laughs) I think it's the assumption. I think it's this assumption that, well, I've got a degree. I'm really good at this stuff. How hard can it be? Oh, it can be really hard. The number of people that say to me, oh, it's just email or it's just messages, isn't it? And it's like, yeah, it is, sure. Like everyone can sit there and send a message, but it'll be the same person that's telling me I'm overwhelmed with this. You know, I can't find this. I can't do that. And that's why, because there's more to it. It's not just simple. Yeah. Yeah. So the training you go and you do, um, and speaking from experience, it's not in a classroom. There's not a folder. There's nothing to print and download possibly not as much to write down as you might um, imagine. How do you guys go about training in a, you know, in a kind of a small business? Yeah. So first step is really, 
a needs analysis. You know, I remember our first discussion, it's literally like finding out where you're at, what your situation is and what you want to achieve. And every client's different in that. And in some clients, um, there's a, a quite a big consultation piece around like that setup and just how do we do this right? Other clients are like, we've got that bit covered. We just want the training. So in either situation, even if it is just like, hey, we just want training, in that case, it is still a what we like to think of as a bespoke experience because, okay, we want to understand, you know, what kind of people do you have? You know, to what level do they need to be trained? And often in an, or even in a small organisation, you know, of even 10 or less people, there's some people that might need really high competence in a, in a tool and some that need mm. just the essentials. So it's not, we never see it as a one-size-fits-all. It's really that collaborative co-constructive of the, the training program to then deliver, um, yeah, definitely no printed manuals. Um, we or, or long slide decks. We we, as you guys all know, we tend to steer away from that. So <laughs> we like to keep it practical and hands on. There are some members of your team that, given given the opportunity, will uh, will uh, PowerPoint it up. But um, so what I'm hearing <laughs> is is bespoke needs based training. And um, what we appreciated when we worked with you was you really wanted to know about how we did things and how we did tasks. And 25 minutes later, we could describe how we did a task. And um, we've probably got it down to, you know, at least 12 minutes now. So um, what uh, what we found interesting was, you know, we've done a huge amount of workflows this year and really, really getting great results on that. But that's essentially what it is. It's just a click by click understanding of how you do things in your in your business and you're able to map it from from there yeah and that's I mean as you know I came in and just asked you guys a whole lot of questions you know and that's really um it's twofold it's one for me to learn your environment so that I can train contextually but in doing that it helps you think through your processes you know having that external person come in and just ask those questions from a genuine place of curiosity helps you bed those down um because you know most teams, if anything, like our, like our team, you just it just becomes day to day. You don't even think about what you do. So therefore, you almost can't identify areas from improvement because you're so deep into it. Yeah, absolutely. The other learning that we had, um, which we knew, which was why we engaged you, is we've got, a, you know, we have a lot of platforms in place and using different places for different things. And um, without getting too specific, um, you know, just this consolidation of platforms and subscriptions into something like Office 365 is going to be a, a game changer, I suspect. Um, what do you, What have you observed about this consolidation piece? And it's going to lead into some questions about Office 365 and how it will perhaps take over the world. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, sure. So I think particularly when we're talking SMEs is that there is a tendency, and we've certainly done this as a company as well, there's a tendency to grab hold of whatever tool we think will do the job at a particularly a cheap price point for a lot of small organisations. You know, yeah. it's just like, oh, cool, great, this one's got the best free subscription or this one's really low cost. So you end up with this ecosystem that is very disparate, right, and there's not necessarily a lot of talking. And, and it may be that you know, there's some duplications between systems. And so really it's that kind of understanding of, okay, what are all the systems that play in this ecosystem? Um, and then, you know, if you are, if you do have, like in your case, you already had Office 365. So it made sense that 
if there's some things that other tools are doing that are duplicating what Office can do just as well, then, you know, you can take a tool out because, you know, less tools are better. You don't want to, you know, to be really clear, you don't want to like take a tool out and put something inferior in its place. But if you can consolidate when there's going to be equal functionality, I think that just helps with that everyday efficiency and productivity because you've got a central hub for place for things. And I think also this belief, well, it's free, so it'll be fine, um, doesn't last for long because invariably there's a human cost of humans doing things in all sorts of places that even paying up a subscription level is going to save you human and error time as well. So um, it's pretty classic sort of startup mode. It's free. We'll just use that one. Oops, we're filling up storage there. We'll just start another and yeah. on and on it goes and it's this memory test of where the photos are um yeah yeah so true so let's kind of shift gears into office 365 i was intrigued with what um you and adrian said about its exponential growth across 2020 um could you share a little bit of that with us that just blew my mind yeah, yeah. So I'll do my best with that because Adrian was the man that had all the stats. He's my colleague, but I'll, I'll do my best from memory. And if what I can always do, Kathy, is he, if he's got some articles, we can pop that as a, as a resource. Good, but, good. Um, and I'll just exaggerate. Just leave that. Yeah. <laughs> it generally, I mean, so what, what we're sort of seeing, you know, globally when, when the pandemic struck in 2020 is, you know, no one is surprised is this big shift to online. And, and while for many of us, probably you included, like, you know, the idea of online meetings wasn't necessarily new. You know, I've always worked remotely well, always in this company. So, you know, for what whatever it wasn't new, but for many people, this concept of remote work was very, very new. So, for example, in Office 365, they're, one of their central products is Microsoft Teams, which, and don't quote me, I'll say has been around for a few years. I'm going to just keep that general because I don't have the exact launch yeah. date in mind. But, you know, and it was certainly growing, you know, and it was getting some traction, but when um, the pandemic hit, it became for so many people like a central hub for remote work. And it's certainly the, a tool we use internally and have done for several years now. So that's where that exponential growth was seen, for example, in teams, because all of a sudden these organizations needed a tool that facilitated remote work. And that was it. So, um, and we certainly saw that in our clients was all of a sudden people are like, jumping on board and and where we saw organizations whether they be smaller or very large that had thought oh yeah at some point we'll get to that and then gone okay yeah. some point is here we just have to do it now yeah yeah got done in five weeks what was on the five-year plan or five days even yeah. for some business oh. some of our clients hit their five-year plan in five days yeah so it was, it's totally what we saw and then it's interesting what I'm seeing at the other end particularly now is like once so, you know, during that time last year, we didn't see a lot of interest in training because people were just needing to get systems out there and just wanting to try and literally tread water through the pandemic. But now what we're seeing is companies are going, Thomas and going, well, we implemented this in 2020 just to try and get by. We think. We, yeah. But now we don't really know what we're doing and we've just kind of been using it. So it's quite funny because there was that urgency. I think the typical change management that would have gone into a release like that wasn't done. Yeah. True. Yeah. True. Uh, true, true, true. So the so Office 365 as a entity has had exponential growth and has really fast-tracked its structures and its functions and operability with other platforms and all the rest. And that doesn't seem to be slowing down. It's very much onwards and upwards with it as a entity. Is that right? 
Yeah, again, like I won't talk to specific numbers. <laughs> I should have done some more homework beforehand. Um, but okay. yeah, I mean, okay. I mean, typically, <laughs> typically, yeah, I don't think, you know, certainly, you know, Office 365 being sort of like, you know, a cloud-based product, you know, we think back to the old days where we had Microsoft Office installed on our computer with a series of applications and we access files you know, on our computer or maybe... We, passwords. Did we even need passwords? No, no, we password. didn't back then. Yeah, no. So, I mean, you know, I think we can all pretty much say those days are gone. <laughs> so now, you know, organizations, if they're not moving in that direction, you know, they're going to be pretty soon because particularly, you know, the situation as we've seen is certainly driving it. Plus, I think too, even, you know, pandemic aside, I think the benefits of collaboration and being able to have this anywhere, anytime access um, to content within your organization is becoming so much more of an important part of maintaining a competitive advantage. Because if everyone else in your industry is doing that and you're the one that's not, well, you know, that's going to cause issues in terms of your efficiency and productivity of your staff being able to do their work. So it, it kind of is almost, in my view, inevitable that companies are going to continue to go that way, which means we'll continue to see this growth in these products. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for those that aren't um, really familiar with Office 365, well, actually, I want to take that back. Is Office 365 and training for that, is that the the core work that you do? Is that the majority of the work you do or...? Uh, so we, we, as I said, we're, we're their partners with the big three, right? Google, Apple and Microsoft. Yeah. So um, we Office 365 is Microsoft's offering and Google Workspace is Google's offering, okay? So we've got yeah. similar kind of offerings in both. So we work across both heavily. Um, you know, I had some Google training this morning. I've got some Office training tomorrow. So I certainly work above, across both ecosystems. But, you know, generally the core concepts, even though the tools may be different, in yeah. some cases the core concepts of those are the same. So, yeah, particularly those big two. And you'll, you know, probably have some clients, Kathy, that are in the Google ecosystem, somewhere in the Microsoft, you know, so. Yeah. Would you be able to really quickly give us a rundown on the Google ecosystem and the Microsoft system? I'll just sit back and put the kettle on so you can run a mark. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I'll start with the Microsoft one. So um, generally called, you know, Microsoft 365 or Office 365, but, you know, both of them, so actually, I might take a step back. What I might say is what both of them have in common. So both of them have in common that they are a subscription per user subscription service, okay, to a set of tools that are available uh, in a web format. In the office sense, they have some desktop tools, which I'll talk about. And both of them offer that concept of the cloud, right? So files, contents, data being able to store, being stored, you know, in the uh, in the data warehouses, sorry, the name, data centers, the name just escaped me, the data centers of Microsoft or Google. So depending on what tool you're is, depends you know, which organization's data centers your data stored in. So that's, you know, at the core of both of these. So your subscription mm. would get you the storage of the content and it would get you access to the tool set. So that's kind of, you know, of the basis of both mm. of them. Um, and that particularly too, like I always think with both of them, if we think about Microsoft if you have a Hotmail account or an Outlook.com account, you've got a consumer Microsoft account. If you have a Gmail account, you've got a consumer Google account. So Office 365 and Google Workspace are the business offerings of those consumer accounts, right? So it's that taking it to that next level. 
So in the Microsoft, you know, world, that gives you access to, depending on your subscription level, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. all of Microsoft's core services. So, you know, um, at the very least, that gives you access to, you know, online tools for Outlook, for Teams, for Word, Excel, PowerPoint, you know, at a basic level. Um, so you've got access to all those tools. And and the beauty of the online tools is that it's this continual, continually updated set of of tools. So again, back in the day, we might've bought Office 2003 and then, you know, Office 2007 came out and we had to decide, do we want it to buy and install the new one? Those concepts don't exist in the online space. Then too, in the Office 365, you know, again, depending on the subscription, you can also get access to the desktop tools. So that traditional kind of application installed on your computer, Word, Excel, PowerPoint. But unlike in the old days, these are kind of, again, continually updated because they're linked to this subscription. Yeah, and so in Office 365 as well, you know, I mentioned before um, tools like Microsoft Teams, and that's just one example. There's other ones. I know I've been talking to your team about like Mm. Microsoft Forms and there's like Microsoft Sway and Planner and to do all these non-traditional Microsoft tools that are now part of the platform that you get access to. So that's Microsoft. Shall I pause for... That is a big cloud. It's a big cloud. (laughs) Not for me. Not for me. I I know, well, yeah, that's our preferred language. Yeah. But there are these other folk. Yeah. So then there's there's the Google ecosystem. So so Google Workspace, um, the key difference between the two really is that Google Workspace was born in the cloud. Okay. So whereas Microsoft came from the desktop application, you know, beginnings and moved Mm. and moved into the cloud. Yeah. Google was born in the cloud. So um, they're all of their tools, all of their web-based tools, you know, accessible in a web browser. That's how they began. So um, they don't have desktop applications because all of their functionality was built from the ground up in the web browser. So that's really a key difference. Um, you know, I can go like, I'm not going to go like for like on products for you, but just to say, you know, they, um, again, they have some different kinds of tools as well, but the core concept is very much the same Um you know, instead of having Outlook, you've got Gmail and Google Calendar. Instead of having Word, you've got Google Docs. So Google Drive instead of OneDrive, stuff like that. So, yeah, so they both work in a slightly different way um, and they both certainly have pros and cons and we play in both spaces. Um, yeah, so, and again, subscription subscription basis with those. So that's generally yeah. how these how these companies operate. So, But I think yeah. what's really important for both of them to know is that you know, people often say to me, particularly a small business, Kathy, they'll say to me, well, we're, no, we're just a two or three man shop. Like, why don't we just use like a Gmail account or something like that? You know, and sure, you can like pay and get more storage. But the key thing with whether you do Office 365 or the Google ecosystem is you've got an environment set up for your organization that has different it's a different contract between the organization and Microsoft or Google than a consumer contract, for example. There's different protections in place yeah. for data. There's additional features that are designed for sharing collaboration within organizations. So it's really kind of taking it to that next level. Yeah. Gosh, I've forgotten what my original question was. That was so interesting <laughs> to hear it compared to that. <laughs> I think it was tell me so, about both products. Uh, I'll sit back and have tea. <laughs> yeah, I should have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I, I didn't. I hadn't thought of it that um, uh, Google was born in the cloud. Of course, it was. Mm, yeah, yeah. So yeah. It's, it's it's interesting it to think back. That kind yeah. of first iteration. No, so mm. they were the. You know, that was the company that was the first to have the idea of the 
working on documents in a web browser, you know, and, and Microsoft, to their credit, realized that that's where the world was going and then came up and all introduced all of these products. So, yeah, yeah interesting to see. Yep. Wow. So, how you train across both just day in, day out is makes you very, very clever. You and your team are very, very, very clever. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, what is it that makes training really um, impactful for small businesses? Like this training and this training, like why mm. does your stuff really work? I think it comes back to how we engage in that. It's mm. it's not like you contact me and say, oh, we'd like to learn Teams and I am up and go, okay, great. We've got three courses. They're running on this date. Which one would you like to enroll in? It's like, okay, cool. Let's talk about your organization. Let's understand what you're doing now, what you want to do. So purely because it's bespoke is what makes it impactful because we're going to tailor it to your needs and not try not try and sell you a training solution that you don't need. You know, um, yeah. if you come and it turns out, cool, you know what? All you need is a one-hour session for three people and that's it. You never want to see me again. Awesome. I don't mind. You know, that's what you need. So I think that's what makes a difference is just really having it customised. Um, and also true too, I'll just the way we actually deliver the training is very interactive and high on engagement. So, you know, we don't come in expecting you to sit there and listen to us talk and not not have any kind of inside, you know, in, in engagement in it. It is a lot of discussion and questions and getting people, getting the opportunities for people to have their problems solved in the moment, which I think is really important as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A question that has come out of some of the Q&A you've done with us and our clients is, and it, it, it's just come across my deck just the, this morning, um, is about business owners understanding how different, um, the different subscription levels and the security features associated with each as well. Um, mm. And that that's something that you actually need a decent working knowledge of. Otherwise, well-intended team can just accidentally run a little bit of muck with with things as well how do you kind of train that that piece up yeah I mean that's an interesting one because us ourselves as a company don't sell the licenses to these products Mm. right so we we train them but we don't sell them we work with other partners that sell the licenses and we come in and do the training Mm. so often we're not involved in that initial conversation but what I would generally say on that is that I think it's very easy to make a decision based on price and some, you know, tick boxes on a chart, yeah. a comparison chart on a website without understanding actually what the features mean and what they do. So that's where, you know, there has been a couple of situations in the past which have worked really well where we have been involved initially and it may just be a 30 or 45 minute bit of a, of a call where it's like, okay, I can see in these subscription levels like, it's talking about this feature and that feature and that security level and that security level. What does that mean in practice? Because that's the thing yeah. what people don't often understand. So they're making yeah. decisions from a place of not having that full knowledge. So if you are watching this and you're working with, you know, a company that's selling you licenses and you're trying to decide, I would definitely not hesitate to say to them, can you actually show me what this feature is? So then you can decide if that's something that will be useful and to understand how it works. So for the sake of a couple of extra dollars a month, it means that you have 
probably stronger um, security and doability um, across your your team. You can always move people up and down on their subscription, their level of access. But um, I think from, Mm. well, I've heard from time to time, business owners got a little bit of a surprise about who's, um, who in the team has inadvertently done, done what? Done something. Yeah. 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 And that's actually really interesting too, Kathy, thinking, Another piece of this, which I've not talked about with the training is that again, often in the small business, it's the small business owner that's the IT department, right? So they're trying to manage this tech environment and something we do as a company as well. One of my colleagues, um, he provides the technical training on actually how to manage the environment. So to avoid things like that, like literally going through Mm -hmm. and understanding once you've got the tool, what security features you do have, what they mean and how to use them so that you're empowered as the person that's maintaining this environment. So I think that's a really important point too. Yeah, I was going to ask you, I jotted that down before when I was um, listening about cybersecurity because that's just a little sneaky little topic we could bring in quite quickly. That won't take, <laughs> that won't take long. Um, where are the relevant pieces to cybersecurity in small businesses? Yeah. That's a really interesting one. So other than everywhere. Yeah, (laughs) I'm just trying to think of where to start. Um, So let's look at points of, I guess, points of vulnerability. Um, So in terms of in any organisation, not even just a small business, in any organisation, the biggest point of vulnerability is usually, usually the people. Okay, so and that is because if, if we talk about, you know, getting access to data and that kind of thing, you know, a really common way that um, the uh, people that would like to do that go about it, for example, is with phishing emails, you know, that email that says, oh, hey, click on this link and do this and do that, for example. So that's where um, we often say that users are the biggest source of vulnerability. So both in terms of that, but also something I see with the majority of my clients is really poor password management, for example. So that's another really key one that comes down to, yes, comes down to the people, but also in your environment, if you do have, say, Office 365 or Google Workspace, you can set password requirements, you know, whether that be length or complexity. And also when you've got an ecosystem like those, you can use those tools to, you can use that account to sign into other tools. So let's just say like a system like Asana or something, which I know you guys use, Mm. you can generally sign into those systems with a Google account or a Microsoft account. So the beauty is it's not trying to remember a thousand passwords and then choosing a weak one or reusing the same one because one really well-managed central account can log into them. So I think that's really important. Um, Those two pieces, just in terms of, yeah, in terms of end users. And the other thing, honestly, yeah. is mobile mobile devices is another, another you know, area is mm-hmm. we used to worry about losing our wallet. Now we worry about losing our phone. And it's not because, oh, I've lost my $1,000 phone. It's because if someone gets into that phone, my entire life is on there. All of my data, all of my organization's data as well. Yeah, yeah. That's not scary. That's not scary. <laughs> no. Okay, so managing phones. I'm just yeah, managing, managing devices. My phone. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All righty. So we have romped through a whole lot, starting from the problems you solve and the way you work with businesses, bit of a compare and contrast to the Google Eco um, system and Office 365, a little bit of risk. Um, what else would you like business owners to kind of know about what you do and, and why you do it? 
I think I'd like to reiterate that point of two points. One of you don't know what you don't know. And I think it's always, yeah. um, I think that's something to always just have in mind in that there's always ways to use the tools in front of you better. And it isn't necessarily like often it's so good or we oops, put the wireless earbud back in. Um, it's often it's, you, you are know, welcome. <laughs> we need more, you know, it's like, no, no, what, you know, this is not about more tools. This is actually about using the tools you've got in a better way. So I think, you know, coming from that idea of like, Hey, we don't know what we don't know. Let's see what more we can do in these, I think is super important. Um, particularly in that small business where, you know, you're managing so much time is so important. If you can actually get more out of those tools that you have invested money in, then, you know, that's, that's really useful, which lends to my second point is that, you know, often, quite honestly, Kathy, training's an afterthought because we've paid for the tools. Mm. Do we really want to lay out more money for to learn how to use them? People should just be able to get on with it. Surely um, we it, can figure it out. Surely we can figure it out. Exactly. That's exactly right. So whereas, you know, honestly, think of the training as an investment in yourself and in your people. And we'll often say, you know, the two common things I'll get is the money and I don't have time to do training. And, you know, it's always like, well, I, you know, I can always guarantee you that the time you spend doing the training, you will get back more, probably two or more fold in terms of the the time you save on these tools. Um, particularly, you know, in some organizations, like people are literally using those tools hours a day. You know, and if you are using something for hours a day, don't you want to know how to make the most of it because it is so central? Yeah. So what are the gains that you see in businesses when you've been working with them, when you've done the training? Just put on your productivity uh, and systems <laughs> geeky badge for a moment. What are the outcomes on the other side that you enjoy? Yeah, Um well, I might talk specifically to a couple of my favorite tools. <laughs> so being a nerd, you know, proficiency productivity organization nerd, um, I see a lot of gains around email and I see a lot of gains around uh, file storage. So they're, they're the two areas I get most excited with working with people about. So from the email point, um, I'll talk from an individual level, but then I'll talk about how that affects the organization. So um I work a lot with people who are seriously overwhelmed by email, don't know how to manage their inboxes, are literally just drowning in a deluge, you know, and then that's something that's replicated across the organisation. So the work we do often helps people get that under control, which at a personal level is about reducing that overwhelm, reducing that stress. Um, and, you know, particularly people will be frustrated day in, day out with things. So just taking some of that burden away by showing them how to use the tools frees up their time, frees up their capacity to actually get the job done. Like, you know, there's not many people that are employed just to do email, but there's so many people that spend so much of their day, for example, doing email. Yeah, feels so, like it. Yeah, yeah it, it is. Like, so if we can actually reduce that pain and add some layers of automation, then that gives you time back, you know, that gift of time. So um, then at an organizational level, particularly when we talk about things like, you know, Microsoft Teams or in the Google space, Google Chat, it becomes new ways to communicate and collaborate, which then just means working, making working together so much effective, more effective and more efficient, which just, you know, while I don't have stats to quote you, just at the end of the day makes it so much easier, you know, and quicker to work together. So that's those two. And then in the in the file organisation side, I mean, that's an interesting one, you know, we've been working together on that, but that's really, to me, is about making that information in the organization 
accessible in a way that makes sense to everybody with the outcome being people are on the same page. They know when they need to find something, they know where it is. Okay. So again, like if I just think of the hours people lose every year trying to find files, like a lot of this is honestly just giving time back to people that is just being wasted day in, day out on things that doesn't need to be wasted on. Mm. Search and hope, search and hope. Yeah, and I call it the I'm feeling lucky approach in search when I train. I'm like, because I'll, I'll kind of see, I'll show people and like, this is how most people search. And then they just thought like, I'm feeling lucky. Hopefully what I want will pop up. <laughs> yeah, so. Or in a form that I at least recognise or remember. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Yeah, I just. Oh. <sighs> yeah. Good, good, good. All righty, you can have the the talking stick to kind of close this conversation out. So maybe um, the name of the company and where they can find you and sure, yeah. Go so for it. using technology better. Name of the company. It's on the shirt. I wore it today specifically, even though oh, it's it is freezing. on the shirt. It is on the shirt. I had to put a woolen top underneath it because it's so cold. But um, you know, um, so usingtechnologybetter.com is our website. Um, super simple. Uh, we do on-site remote, a lot of remote at the moment, um, but on-site remote. And we also have some um, on-demand courses as well, as I said, across Australia, New Zealand and internationally. Um, so you can reach out there. If you want to get in touch with me personally, you can uh, reach me at Samantha at usingtechnologybetter.com. And you can also search me on LinkedIn, Samantha Garrett, and connect there. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you for sharing up your awesome. Um, We're very much enjoying working with you and for good reason you're working with the team, not me. So um, that will just absolutely fast track results for us. And um, yeah, and thanks for coming in and sharing up with our clients uh, last week as well and getting some answers questioned and some questions answered as well. So absolutely salute your practical bespoke approach to making training yeah, really effective, really effective. Thank you, Kathy. I really appreciate the opportunity to chat today and share a little bit about uh, our training and the, the tech tools that we're passionate about. So thank you. Pleasure. See you soon. Bye. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Private Practice Made Perfect podcast. For show notes and other resources, please visit practicemadeperfectpodcast.com. While you are there, you can subscribe for future episodes and continue your business adventure with me. And please be sure to share this and other episodes with your friends and colleagues. The Private Practice Made Perfect podcast is brought to you by Experts on Air Podcast Network.